Welcome to Pick Up and Deliver, the podcast where I pick up my audio recorder when I head out for a walk and deliver an episode to you while I stroll around. I'm Brendan Riley. Well, good morning, listeners. It's a cloudy, gloomy Wednesday morning here in suburban Chicago. I'm in a right chipper mood because I got to play a great game of Brass Birmingham last night on Tabletop Simulator. I've learned that uh, apparently the Brass mod that I have was taken down on, off of Tabletop Simulator, I presume with a cease and desist from Roxley, but uh, apparently when you download a Tabletop Simulator mod, it stays in your collection. And I've, I've thought this through and I feel ethically safe in playing that mod because I own the physical game and I'm unable to play it with people otherwise. So because of the specific circumstances of COVID, I feel comfortable playing that mod. Maybe that's not right, but there it is. Uh, I feel free. I welcome a conversation about this in the forums if people have one. Uh, Do you think that content shifting should be a covered right under copyright. Like if you have a physical book and you want to read the audio book, should you have to, um, should you be able to have a fan, get a fan made audio book, uh, of a, of a professionally sold regular book? Hmm. And would you be ethically dubious to download one? That's the closest equivalent I can think of. Anyway, uh, topic for another day perhaps but it was really fun I, I think I won the game came with a kind of automated scripting but it wasn't it didn't seem to be a hundred percent accurate in which case I might have not won I was six or seven points ahead of the next highest scoring competitor so it's possible that um, that the score was off a bit but I, I feel like it it made mistakes kind of evenly for everybody the biggest issue was the count, counting the connections. We're not sure it did those right. I actually think it underchanged me in the last round on uh, connection points. What I want to talk about today is cognitive dissonance. So this comes out of a conversation I've been having over in the Agizia forums on BoardGameGeek. You'll remember in my uh, Shooting from the Hip episode with Agizia last time, I reflected on the fact that I did not like the irrigation ring that it felt too aggressive in a game that is otherwise passively aggressive. This is a trait of games I don't really know how to articulate, but is often part of um, more worker placement type Euro games where the uh, interaction you have with other players is passively aggressive rather than um, actively aggressive. So I am aggressive with you by taking the thing you need rather than... um, by going and taking your thing. And so we're competing for resources and spaces and time, but uh, generally we do that um, without necessarily knowing how, uh, without necessarily doing it directly. And generally in that kind of game, I would not take a resource that I didn't need just because you did need it. Uh, And that's the part I don't uh, don't necessarily want to do. And in Agizia, you'll remember, the most of the game is that kind of passive aggression, except for the irrigation ring, 
where you have to take an active action to move it down and make it provide less crops. Uh, and if you're the person who doesn't have any of those um, delicate crops that need more irrigation, then you're actively taking away something the other players have put in place and then making them spend actions to put it back. That's where I started, was I posted in the Gizia forums and I said, I like everything about this game except the irrigation ring. And people basically came back and said, well, you know, it's really a pretty subtle difference between I go to that spot that I know you need and therefore you don't get it, and I go to this other spot that I know you need and I adjust the thing on the board and then you don't get it. Like, really, really minor variations that maybe are just a hang-up of myself rather than a hang-up of the game or rather than any kind of problem with the game. But to me, it still does feel different. It's, I mean, obviously a little less serious, but it's kind of like the trolley problem, right? The idea that um, actively killing a person to save a bunch of people feels worse, significantly worse, than passively killing a person to save a bunch of people. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go look up the trolley problem. It's a well-documented philosophical question that is uh, very amusingly covered in, the good, in an episode of The Good Place. So thinking about my feelings on aggressive play led me to today's episode, which is cognitive dissonance. So what I want to talk about today is three different kinds of play in board games that I both like and dislike at the same time. And uh, I'm going to talk about those, where I like them, where I don't like them, and reflect on the notion of cognitive dissonance. Uh, one, just as a caveat to begin with, one of the out, outcomes or understandings of this could be, yeah, Brendan, you are an omni-gamer, so of course you're going to like a wide variety of things in different contexts. Take that as a grain of salt. All right, first off, aggressive play. This is the one I'm talking about. In a game, in games that aren't about aggressive play, in games where it's about building and efficiency and uh, doing a thing in order to be the best at doing it and getting in the other person's way because you're both competing for the same outcome, that feels fine to me. Like in the game of brass last night, there were a couple points where I was gonna do a thing and then someone else went there and did it first. And while I wailed in fake agony about that, I didn't really feel that agony because that's, I mean, that's how the game works, you know. Did you get, were you efficient enough to get there faster? Were you trying to be so efficient that you then lose out because someone else grabbed that thing before you needed it? I mean, this is the heart of a Euro game. And uh, that's the sort of aggressive play. Like, I don't think of that as aggressive play. As opposed to something like Egesia, in which the ring, in which I'd actively be using the ring to remove people's power. Um, or remove people's things that they'd earned. It'd be like if somebody could take an action in brass to reduce my income by half or something, uh, which I wouldn't want them to do, and frankly, would not, I would not probably do myself. Um, another example of this kind of aggressive play that I don't really like is in Through the Ages, and this, this is the part that uh, maybe is really dumb. So I really don't like the military part of Through the Ages. Uh, And if I had my druthers, I would just not use it. I would ignore the military entirely. The problem is the way the game is set up, the military is your way to catch up if the other player is getting too far ahead in other things. 
um, because the game is all about how efficiently do you balance what you're doing uh, if you're not attending to your military and the other player is, they can then come in and disrupt the things that you were doing more efficiently than they were. It's a good stopgap and it's a really powerful one. I've had multiple games where I was ahead and the other player managed to get outpace me in the military and then they just took over my stuff in the third age. Uh, but I don't like it. I don't like that part of the game. And uh, all things being equal, I probably wouldn't use it. Uh, I recognize it's an essential part of the game and I'm used to it now, but still not my favorite and probably not something I would. And I much prefer the gentle military elements of um, Through the Ages, or um, Seven Wonders, where I get a lot of points for having a good military, but you only lose a, a little bit, like one point. So if the thing you did instead of getting military earned you more than one point, it was an efficient exchange for you. Well, really, you want to earn five points, I guess. If it didn't earn you five points, that's a problem, because then you let me earn five points. Six, if you count the minus one you get. Anyway, I'm off topic. Here's the cognitive dissonance. I don't mind at all, and in fact, I enjoy games that have, that are zero-sum, where everything I do hurts you. Like two-player games where you and I are directly competing for a victory, I don't mind those at all. In fact, I enjoy them. I really like stuff like Tash Kalar, where a big part of the game is tactical maneuvering of my pieces and then a disruption of whatever it is you're doing. I've mentioned before on, the, on this show how much I like innovation. Innovation is all about tactical disruption of the opponent's pieces. I love it. Um, in both of these cases, you know, I'm doing that uh, in the direct conflict way that seems at odds with my dislike of direct conflict. So there's cognitive dissonance number one, aggressive play. Uh, the way I summed that up on my notes here is it's about intention and whether or not the game is zero-sum. Um, all right, second one, roll to resolve. I generally do not like roll to resolve as a mechanism. I don't like a game where I have to roll to move, usually, because it sort of suggests that one person should get to move six and the other person should get to move one. Uh, I really dislike it. The, the higher the stakes the more I dislike Roll to Resolve in terms of, like, for example, the most egregious case of this is the final confrontation in the game London Dread. London Dread, you play two rounds of this sort of um, collaborative programming game, and then at the last, in the last round, based on how well you did on those previous two, you get to roll a bunch of dice, and for every five or six you get, you get one hit, and if you get enough hits, you win. So you could just, by not unreasonable odds, lose the whole game even if you did very, very well because the dice aren't in your favor. Now, statistically, the, it's set up. It shouldn't work, that, work out that way, but it could. And that, frankly, that feels really crummy in a game that almost entirely otherwise is not um, too random. Although, hmm, there is an element of chance in terms of uh, finding things at locations, but that feels different to me. So there's some luck involved in that, but compared to the dice at the end, it doesn't feel like it. At the same time, there's some games where I really don't mind when Roll to Resolve is a thing. Uh, if the game is more about the theme and the story that emerges from the theme, 
than about tactic or careful strategic gameplay. I don't mind. So Last Night on Earth or A Touch of Evil, these are games that are about telling an amusing story and the dice help resolve what happens in that story. Did Johnny, the high school football star, manage to kill those three zombies that were coming for him in the barn? Well, we find that out with dice. And I don't mind that at all. I think that's fun. Uh, it feels fitting. And frankly, for a lot of those sort of combat games, it makes sense because the idea that you... No soldier is perfect and no group of soldiers is perfect. So deterministic battle games I find a little less interesting a lot of times than Roll to Resolve. The other place I really don't mind it is in, uh, similarly, a game that's meant to be very hard. Uh, and so if the game gives you a lot of dice mi mitigation, but sometimes you just have to hope for the best on the dice, I don't mind that so much. So a great example is Ghost Stories. If you're relying on the dice to win the game, you're going to lose the game, probably. But if you mostly rely on tactic, good tactical play, and every now and again you get some luck from the dice, well, you'll probably win. At least that's the way it's been for me. Uh, similarly, um, in Arkham Horror, sometimes you just get a bad string of card draws and they are terrible. On the other hand, that makes the victory so much sweeter. Or when you, like my wife and I had a game a couple weeks ago where my character was on the verge of going mad and I literally could only survive the fight if I drew a plus one or the elder sign out of the chaos bag and I drew the elder sign. Oh man, it was a stand up, scream and shout moment. You don't get that in games that don't have role to resolve or similar random output randomness. All that said, generally that's for thematic games, not for strategic games. Uh, output randomness in strategic games, not my favorite. So, role to resolve, there is a bit of cognitive dissonance there. Finally, the third one I'm just going to call deception. I really enjoy social deduction games that involve deception. I really like the resistance. I really like Secret Hitler. I did not really enjoy Deception, Murder in Hong Kong, but everything I heard made me think this was a this was a, a teaching and experience issue more than a game issue. I think it probably is a game that I would enjoy in another context. I did not enjoy Obscurio, which is like Mysterium with a hidden traitor. But generally, I do like games where there is a hidden traitor. That's that's the first half. I like games like that, except. I hate betraying people in certain games. And this is the other half of that coin. This is the cognitive dissonance. In a game where a significant level of what you're doing involves careful construction of plans, the more elaborate those plans, the more I hate betraying people. You know, the prime example of this, and I've told it on the podcast before, is Dead of Winter. I hate being the traitor in Dead of Winter. I hate that there are traitors in Dead of Winter. I think that game would be a better game if there were not a possible traitor. However, it would also be not a very difficult game. Not nearly as difficult anyway, because the whole thing about each player having their own secret objective, the only point of keeping, like you're not allowed to tell each other, but the reason you're not allowed to tell each other is because they need that to provide cover for the traitor. But similarly, each person is a little bit of a traitor anyway, because they have to, they're trying to resolve their own issues. And 
that part's already problematic for me. Like, just not game design-wise, but just for me as a player, I don't like it so much. Um, because it introduces, perhaps because it introduces the semi-co-op element, but that's a different thing we can talk about on a different day. But the one time I was the traitor in a really good game of that, and I just, I waited till the right moment, and then I just stabbed everybody in the back. Did not feel good. I did not enjoy that gameplay. And then, you know, even like big, big games where people talk about the, the crucial element in the game is building alliances and then betraying people, like Game of Thrones or Rex uh, End of an Era or whatever it's called, uh, which I guess is now Dune. If you were going to go buy it today, you'd have to buy Dune. That game is all about making alliances and then perhaps betraying somebody when you get the opportunity. Part of why I like it, though, is that alliances are formal. You give someone a card and then they have, you and they are formally allied until the next time that there's alliances when you could decide not to be allied. That the game's mechanisms create the opportunity for alliance and betrayal, not just player negotiation. Games that have player negotiation and that opportunity for betrayal in there is in there, I don't generally enjoy them. Game of Thrones, I have had fun playing it, and if somebody is having a big game of Game of Thrones and they invite me to come over and play, I will go and play, because it's fun to hang out with people, but I don't really enjoy the political machinations part of that game. Uh, and I certainly would never choose to play Diplomacy, because I've heard so many unpleasant things about the experience. So, there's some cognitive dissonance. I enjoy lying to my friends. I don't enjoy lying to my friends. So has this episode inspired any thoughts in your mind about games that you feel cognitive dissonance about? Are there games that you would like to see added to the list? What kinds of cognitive dissonance do you have? Do you share my dissonance about some of these things, or do you think I'm dumb to see it as a dissonance at all? Perhaps my complaints about aggression are silly, and in the reality, in a two-player game, I'm always competing to win, and so the notion that somehow some kinds of act actions taken against an opponent are less bad than others is just silly. I would love to hear any of these opinions, and the place to share them is over on Board Game Geek, Guild 3269. We have a conversation space where people occasionally talk about pick up and deliver. It's been kind of quiet lately, so I'd love to hear a check-in if people have games they've been playing. Um, you could also reach out to me by email, brendan at rattleboxgames.com. You could drop me a line on, I guess, Twitter. I don't log on there very often, but rattleboxgames.com is our Twitter feed. But really, email or BoardGameGeek are the best ways to get a hold of me. So, do reach out and let me know. Otherwise, thanks for joining me this uh, gloomy, gloomy day here in suburban Chicago. And I hope your next walk is as pleasant as mine was. Bye-bye. Or Rex, uh, um, uh, Twilight, um, Rex, uh, End of an Era, or whatever it's called.
uh, which I guess is now Dune. If you were going to go buy it today, you'd have to buy Dune. That game brought to you by Rattlebox Games.